Okay, let's continue over here <clears throat> in Chelek, in the Yisod Hashishi. Okay. Yisod Hashishi Hanavuah. Okay. So now he's transitioning from the, um, the Yisodos about HaKadosh Baruch Hu and how we have to um, think about him and uh, relate to him and those elements. Right up to the that's through Hamishi. Now he says Shishi is the is the episode about Nevoah, Han Nevoah. But listen carefully to the way the Ramam formulates the episode. Vehu Lodas Shazehamin Hanushi. Okay, it is to know that this human species. Yesh sheyimtu bo ishim bale kishronos mifutochem od v'shlemus gedola. So the yisod of nevo is to know that within the human species there are individuals who have great talents and that are fully developed. And uh, and great and great perfection. You, know, you have people who have kishronos, means they have abilities that are mufutokhan that are developed, ma'od, and they can. They, and these people have great perfection. And their soul is established until it receives what he refers to as the tsurasasecha. Meaning the the developed the fully developed uh, the intellect, okay, not just the potential but the uh, actual. The oso anushi Okay, and then and and then when the person, if such an individual, uh, if a person has reached that level where his mind and his intelligence is so developed. He's able to join with what he calls the active intellect. And he'll have from them some kind of a, a overflow, some kind of an influence. So it's interesting. <laughs> the the Ramam Yusod, right, he says, these are the Nevi'im, this is Nevu'ah, and this is its magic. To explain this Yisod completely would take, would be in a lengthy endeavor. Ve'ein matrasenu Pirit kol yesod mehem ubiur darki diaso. That's not our objective here to um, explain all of the ways of understanding them uh, in detail. In order to understand properly the ideas of Nevoah, to, to really see them, uh, you know, uh, completely. You have to know all of um, all science, all knowledge, all, all uh, many, many uh, studies. Okay, so it's um, 
couple of interesting points. A couple of interesting points to discuss. First of all, this is uh, a side point. Well, it's, it's an interesting point. Um, not not necessarily related to this one in particular, but I noticed at the end of the um, at the end of the list of the of the of the Yudgim the Ram says, "V'kasher yihiyu kayamim laadam kol yisodos alalu v'munaso bohem amitis." Right, so I was wondering about that line. He says, when a person, uh, when these ideas, when these yesodos are established to a person, and his belief in them is amitis, true. Right? So I was wondering, what does that mean that his amuna is amitis? Yeah. yeah. A theory that's type of thing we're or you believe in it and not just... It's good. In other words, questions like this. When you say that you know something, uh, when you say that you have an amuna bohem amitis, a true belief in them, so there are different ways, there are different things that that could mean. Okay. It could mean, I think what you're saying, Yosef, is, for instance, if I say, Hashem uh, echad. So you have to know what the word echad means. Right, not just mouth the the word, um, but really think into what that achdos means. Right, so that would mean to say that the concept is a reality in your mind. It's not just a word. It's not just a word. You're not just throwing out a. Um, you're not just uh, you're not just saying a phrase without the uh, without the knowledge of what it means. But you you understand what it means. And you have that um, the knowledge of that um, of that uh, phrase is, is truly um, is real to you, okay? Meaning, to say it's not just a lip service, but it's a it's a reality. Right? A person can say, um, you know, like like a person can say, uh, "Eagles MC squared." Right? Example. No, no notion at all what that means. <laughs> That's not a a true understanding of it. Um, well, you can say the Pythagorean theorem. Okay, okay, I can, I can, I can, I can say the words a squared plus b squared, but maybe I have no idea what that means. Then another person can say, "No, I can show you. Here's the formula. You take this leg and that leg at that button. He has a true, on a certain level, he has a true understanding of it. But on another level, but, but there's, there's a greater level that we could call the absolute uh, truth of the statement, and that would mean to understand all the proofs and all of the reasons why it has to be, right? So you can have knowledge, you can have, basically, you can relate to an idea just by, you know, just by uh, enunciating its label. That's not true at all. That's not a true understanding at all. Then, then another, then the, the first real level is you understand what the concept is expressing. You understand the importance of it, you understand its effect, you understand its impact, right? But beyond that, you could say, no, you don't really have a true amuna in it unless you can be, unless you can dem demonstrate that it must be correct. You understand? So it's clear from this Rambam over here by Navua that he doesn't mean a person, he doesn't, he doesn't demand of a person 
then the the knowledge of why why the idea must be sound in order to count him within the yudhimalikan. He just has to have a true perception of what that idea is. He has to have the correct notion of the concept. But he doesn't have to have the ability to prove it. He doesn't have to have the, the knowledge, so to speak, firsthand. It could be a secondhand concept as long as he understands what the concept is saying. And that's demonstrated because the Ram over here is saying the 60s so does Nebuah, and he says, I can't, I can't demonstrate, I can't give you a demonstration of it because it's too deep, too difficult. But yet, apparently, uh, it's still capable of a uh, person still capable of having what he calls a true idea. Okay. And 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 I think that excuse me. And I'm sorry, um you know, as a person that's our you know, that's the second hand knowledge idea. Person can say, "Look, I can't. This has to be true. No, I don't know. I don't know if this has to be true. I don't know that it has to be true. But within the Minhaimushi, there is this phenomenon. And I don't understand how this phenomenon works. I don't understand what, what it's really. I don't, I don't really understand exactly what he says. The the uh, the beer I just saw is I don't have that. I get the basic gist what you're saying, and obviously." Um, I have to just take it as a given that, that what you're telling me is true, because I don't really understand all the principles that are necessary to make it so. Right? So, person will will therefore have to say, I accept. The person says, I accept. Even even in Achas, Ram doesn't prove it over here. He's just quoting. He says everything has a puzzle, right? Person would say, I accept the idea. As a tenet of, of Judaism, I don't, I'm not. I'm not able to demonstrate it, but I accept its truth based on the I accept its truth based on the Rama, whatever that may be, whatever whatever it may be, and he relates to it as a reality. Okay. That is, as long as he has that conviction. Um, even the the conviction of the, of the secondhand novel, uh, and he understands what the content of the idea is. That's what the that's all the Ram demands in saying the Amunaso um, Amitis. Even though the Ramam says himself uh, elsewhere that if you don't see something, you don't see how something relates back to its to the premises, you can't demonstrate its its reality. Uh, from the premises, and you you don't really see its truth. You don't see its truth. You have to accept its. You can accept its truth, but you don't see its truth. To see its truth means I can see, based on the premises of what I know, why this has to be so. Then I can see its truth. Uh, but uh, that's not the the, the 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 level of Amitas. Ram is. Uh, is so that's not the level of a muna behemamitis. Or like or like or like uh term defines uh muna. Because a muna you see the idea to such a degree that, that it, it negative is impossible. That an alternative is simply not optional. Anything you take on faith, you can't say such a thing. Because right? you can't say, well, since he told me, therefore nothing else. That's not that's not what we mean. 
So, um, so there definitely is a difference in, like you say, first-hand knowledge and second-hand. But what was interesting is um, the Rambam doesn't demand, he just demands, like before, the reason for that is because all of these Yisodos are really the way the guides are approaching Yisodos. And it's not demanding. It's not like the refined, pure philosophical concepts that that uh, express the essence of, of, of Torah. It's more the foundations for the for the limud of Torah and for the gaining of Torah. So as long as you have these, as long as you're you're convinced of this, you know it to be true, based on Masora, and you know what it's saying, then you have it. This is the most basic point. You say a person believes that there's a mamsi gomenta. And he understands what it means to be a mamsi gomenta. He understands what type of an existence. He understands that it's qualitatively a different kind of existence than anything else. He understands that that's, uh, that that's, the, um, that that's the truth. He believes that completely. But if you ask him to demonstrate it and explain how he knows it's, it's true, he'd have to say, because the Torah tells me, he'd have to say, because I, I, I learned it. Right. So it, on one level, that's an amuna amitis because the belief that he has, the idea that he's holding, is the true one, and he and he and he recognizes it, and it has that impact on him of guiding him in a certain way. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's keeping bad ideas away, and it is a uh, an idea that is true that he's perceiving. But on another level, you can say it's not a mitis, it's not an amuna bahama mitis in the in the fullest philosophical sense, because he can't demonstrate why it has to be true. So I'm just saying that you see from the Rambam over here in this in the sixth yesod where he says the yesod is to know that there is this, this phenomenon of nivuah, and we'll, we'll delve into that a little bit more in a minute. But he says, but I can't go into it and explain to you all of the uh, exactly what it's all about because that would be too too big of a task. So obviously, I'm telling you when he says he does, when he says the amit the amuna is amitis over here, he doesn't even mean the full all the details. He doesn't even mean that you are. He doesn't mean to have this yisod of nevuah. You have to fully understand all of it completely, because that you'd ask the Rambam, uh, what does Amuna Amitis mean in the truest sense? You have to see. You have to say, well, it means you really understand the nature of man perfectly. You understand uh, knowledge. You understand how we gain knowledge. You have to understand the act of you have to understand all of these things in order to really understand it. But I'm telling you, you see, for me, he doesn't demand that kind of a level of intimate knowledge and knowledge of necessity and knowledge of all the details. He, for him, to have the esode, it means you have enough of the idea in a true sense that it impacts you, that it guides you, that it directs you in, a, uh, in, in the derech of Torah. But you don't have to have the uh, an amuna bahema mitis in the sense of a... Um, of the full-blown uh, expression of the idea with all of its facets and all of its uh, proofs and, uh, and, and and knowledge of its necessity. Okay, you're not talking about the Navi himself. You're talking about what it means to have the knowledge of the Asod. 
So, so, so what to me, what's astounding about this Yisod is what is what it doesn't say, right? <laughs> yeah. Was, what is the nature of this? Why is this a Yisod? Why is this a Yisod? What is the importance of this Yisod? So, I think it's a good demonstration of the approach we're trying to take over here. Now, if you're going to take like the Albo approach, that like these are the things that you have to have to believe in Torah, right? Then the Yisod really is basically Torah. Right? That's essentially the Yisod. And Navua is just a way you have Torah. You can't have Torah without Navua. In other words, is the Yisod over here of Navua because without Navua you can't have Torah? Is that the uh, importance of this Yisod? It doesn't seem like that from the Ramam because his whole focus is on is on um, he's describing the man who is a navi. Right? If it's just if it's just the means to say, look, in order to believe in Torah we have to have a navi. That's like that's how like Albo sets it up. The Icar is really Torah and You got to think about what are the things that are you know sort of like. The means to that, and you can't believe in the end unless you have without the means. But uh, but essentially, it's the the Asoda's Torah. That's where the album reduces it to three. But the Rambam is not he, he's not taking these Yisodos as like a as like a uh, trying to um, you know uh, reduce um, the trying to find the um, the, the the, the foundations in the sense of what of what is necessary to have Torah. He's trying to give you the, the, the important ideas that inform you about the nature of Torah. Okay? And in that sense, to understand Nevoah as a Yesod, it's not about what it's not the fact that Nevu, about what the Nevoah gives you. That's not it's not it's not Nevoah as a as a means. It's a it's nevua in the sense of understanding the the relationship of the perfection, what the nature of the perfection of man is, and what our connection to and and, and the true relationship to a Baruch. In other words, like this: if you just have an idea, in order to have Torah and Shemayim, you have to believe that God can communicate with man. Okay, that'll be the end of it. God communicates with man. That's the Yisod. And why do you have to believe that? Because of the Torah. Right? But the Ram wouldn't have to spend so much time on going into this. So what is the, so for the Ram, what's, what is the Yisod of the Ruah? What is the Yisod of the Ruah? Yeah. I mean, what's interesting about the way the Ram is formulating the Ruah is. It's it's less about Hakarish Baruch Hu picking somebody and communicating to him than it is about the ability of of, of the Minah It's more about the idea that communication that that an idea of having a um, a true knowledge from from God, which is what he's calling the Nevoi here, some kind of uh, shefa, some kind of influence that is from uh, Akarish Baruch requires a certain kind of an individual. 
In other words, what is, in a certain sense, he's showing you that the Torah, with, with this Yisod of Nevuah, and that's why he says, part of the Yisod is, Elohim HaNeviyim, Vizuya Nevuah, Vizehu Inyana. It's not just communication. It is a certain, the, the, the ultimate, the ultimate Shlema Sa'adam, and all of the faculties of man are, are, are in the perfect form, are, are perfected, and his midos are perfected, then he has some, the, the, then with the seifel, he has some kind of connection to the hashpo Hashem. And, and, and therefore, when you, when you read through Tanakh, when you read through Torah, and you think about the, the idea of Nebuah, it's important for the Rambam that you recognize it's not simply a an arbitrary thing that Akash Baruch Hu zaps a message to uh, to an individual for whatever reason it may be, for whatever reason it may be, and certainly not a donkey. No, I'm not joking, right? Certainly not a donkey, right? So that is. You know, I mean, that's that's an important idea in approaching Torah. That's an important idea in understanding uh, the 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 uh, you know the the limud of of Torah, and and it puts a focus on the minhanushi on the on his kishronos and his flamos and his uh, and the tzuras hasecho, and to recognize that it's that it's only through that. That the person is a is in any way yischaber oso hasecha anushi Yeah, but to say where exactly is the nevuah coming from? <laughs> that is something that he says would be yarech miyod, and that would be too too difficult to explain. But that's not important. The important thing is, and no, not, not, no, it's important. The important thing is to recognize that what is the catalyst of nevuah, or or what is the um, what is the uh, the the essential uh, you know uh, cause of the nevuah is the perfection of the individual the shlemus adam and in some way when a person's perfection is so uh, when a person has reached such a high level of perfection and essentially it's the tzuras hasecha that is dominant then through then there is some means of, of connection. Of um, of, a, of, a, of, a, of an atzilus shefa. It's interesting. It's very very interesting. The Ramam doesn't even like you were saying, doesn't even go all the way to a kashvachlins. And his point is that the person, the navi, is never really directly connected to God. His connection is to this malach. Malach. The seichel apol is a malach. Malach, agent. Okay, Ishim. They call it the Ishim. The um, and and that's and that's the um, the the medium, the intermediate between uh, the, the the person seichel and Akash Baruch. Person, the, the uh, even a person, a navi, cannot perceive directly from God. Okay, he needs he needs. An intermediary, an intermediary intellect that can interpret. 
we'll get into that in the, in the next episode. A little bit more. Yeah, Yakov. Um, okay, so just 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 one quick point in terms of so if you take a look in the Yisod, in the Yisodia Torah, so the Ram also has this. That's in Parak um, three. Okay, one second. And he says also, Miyasode Ados, Leda, Shehakel Menabe Esbnei Adam. To know that Hashem is, uh, speaks to, uh, to people, or communicates with the people. Ve'ena nevua chola ela al chacham gadol v'chachma. Gibor b'midoso, velo yehe yitzro mezgavrelov v'davr v'olam. So again, he says there has to be a great chacham, someone who is a uh, mighty in his midos, right? Meaning he doesn't have any, uh, his desires don't overpower him. He's always in control of his desires. Baal with his mind. Okay. He's filled with all of these traits. Cholen v'gufo. Okay, Kishi Kanes Lepardes Mi Moshech Baosan Hanyon Magidola Marachokim. Okay, so in other words, he goes into the metaphysics, and um, yeah, and he's holy from Rame's Atzmo because he goes he goes further and further. So he says, um, yeah, he's only focused on Chachma. He doesn't get involved in any Dvar Betelim. So he says, his Daito is Tamid Pinuya Lamala. So he's completely preoccupied with the world of, uh, of the metaphysics. And he's mistakel Kula, He understands all of God's uh, creations and their uh, greatness. Miyad rests upon him. And then his, uh, his soul is mixed in with the level of the Malachim that are called Ishim. Turns to another man. Becomes something else. Has a new understanding. Okay, so again, even in the Yad, even in the Yad, he, he goes at length in this to, to demonstrate that um, that Nevoah is really a process, is really the result of a great process of, of knowledge. And that is the uh, the idea, that's the Jewish idea of a Navi. And that's, uh, that, that's, that's essential to understand what it means that we have some kind of a connection with the Karaj Baruch because that defines your idea of, of, um, of Adam and, and Karaj Baruch that's those those are those are uh, it's essential to have that proper idea so for instance in the yad 
I'm sorry, in the Moran of Uchim, in the second book, from chapter 32 on, the Ram goes into um, ideas of prophecy. So I just want to read a little bit about it, okay? Uh, so the Ram, I'm just going to take some bits and pieces. He says in, uh, in 32, he says, among those who believe in prophecy, and even among, I'm sorry, uh, he says, um, there, are, uh, there are as many different opinions concerning prophecy as concerning the eternity or non-eternity of the universe. So again, the idea of prophecy is going to be rooted in other philosophical uh, ideas. And it's important to, you can't just say, can't just say prophecy. You have to understand what you have to have a, a true understanding of prophecy. That's an amuna amitis. Just to say prophecy communication, that's just an empty box. That's just an empty box with the result. That's not an, an amuna amitis. Amuna amitis means you have to understand what kind of a process it is. Okay. And he says, and that's what he's saying. There are there are as many different opinions concerning prophecies concerning the eternity or non-eternity of the universe. For we have shown that those who assume the existence of God is proved may be divided into three classes. Similarly, there are three different opin opinions on prophecy. Okay, he so says, I'm not going to talk about the atheists, because they don't believe in the existence of God. But I will content myself with discussing the various opinions held by those who believe in God. Okay, so he says, the first opinion is, um, the first among those who believe in prophecy, and even among our co-religionists, there are some ignorant people uh, who think as follows. Okay, You're, this is what you used to think. Don't tell us, just change, change it. God selects any person he pleases, inspires him with the spirit of prophecy and entrusts him with a mission. It makes no difference whether that person be wise or stupid, old or young, provided he be to some extent morally good. For these people have not yet gone so far as to maintain that God might also inspire a wicked person with the spirit. Okay, they admit that this is impossible unless God has previously caused them to improve his ways. So basically, they're just learning that Nebuah is just a capricious um, inspiration from God. And um, basically, it's God acting on the person and giving him some kind of Nebuah. They don't think that God would do that to a person who's not the righteous. Yeah. Yeah, someone was just telling me this morning that, that there are certain religious uh, sects that they believe in um, some certain Christians that is the talking in tongues. Yeah, yeah. And they believe that they're just being inspired with some kind of nivore of some sort. Nobody can understand that. Okay. Uh, so that would be like this first group. Just God just picks somebody, inspires them, and they can start uh, speaking. Um, now he says the philosophers hold that prophecy is a certain faculty of man. Okay, basically, um, basically what he comes out without going through all the details is that um, is that the philosopher's idea of, of prophecy is close to the to the Torah idea of philosophy. Except the philosopher believes it's necessary that if a person reaches that level, he must have some kind of true knowledge from God. Whereas, um, according to Torah, it's possible 
it, it, it's it's dependent also on the will of God. Okay, uh, we believe that even if one has the capacity for prophecy and has duly prepared himself, it may yet happen that he does not actually prophesy. It is in that case the will of God um, that withholds from him the use of the faculty. According to my opinion, Ram says, this fact is as exceptional as any other miracle. So Ram, Ram basically agrees with the, with the idea of the philosophers that if a person is reached a high level of, uh, of perfection and knowledge, naturally he should have some kind of an idea. Obviously, this doesn't mean prophecy of the future necessarily. It's some kind of true knowledge from God. And he says, and to not have it is like a miracle. Um, and he says like this, but basically it's a perfection. We hold, we hold, he says, hold on. Um, he says, there are, however, numerous passages in scripture, as well as in the writings of our sages, which support the principle that depends chiefly on the will of God. And at what time? And that he only selects the best and the wisest. We hold that fools and ignorant people are unfit for this distinction. It is as impossible for any one of these to prophesy, okay, meaning a fool or an ignorant person, as it is for an ass or a frog. Okay, for prophecy is impossible without studying and training. When these have created the possibility, then it depends on the will of God whether the possibility is to be turned into reality. Okay, but um, but basically, according to the Ramam, there's no difference between a frog becoming a prophet and an ignoramus being a prophet. And if you think that there is, you're missing this research. You're missing this. He says, Ah, it says about Yirmiyahu, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you came forth from the womb, I have sanctified you. Right? Makes it sound like he chose him as a prophet, as a baby. So Ram says, No, that, that's, that just means that Navi has to have certain perfections of his faculties, and those are going to have to be natural to, to a certain extent. Okay. And um, but it, but it doesn't but but it means he had that potential from his uh, from his birth. Okay, but not that as a baby he was a prophet. Um, okay, so so just to give a little bit of a description of the Rambam's idea of, of Yahuwah, without going into the Marech Miyod, like he says, just want to touch on a little bit over here. Um, I think most people here are familiar with the, the basic idea of the Rambam. And that is that um, Rambam says in 36, he says, um, prophecy is in truth and reality an emanation sent forth by the divine beings through the medium of the active intellect, which is the Malach. We just can replace that word with Malach. In the first instance to man's rational faculty and then to his imaginative faculty. It is the highest degree and greatest perfection man can attain. It consists in the most perfect development of the imaginative faculty. So according to the Rambam, you need a very good imagination to have be enough. You have to have a very good intelligence, intellect, but but as important is your imagination. 
and um, he says, he says, um, right, he says uh, like this. But what's the idea? What's the idea? So the way he puts it is like this, that um, he says, it is a well-known fact that the thing which engages greatly and earnestly man's attention while he is awake and in the full possession of his senses forms during his sleep the object of the action of his imaginative battle. So that's everybody knows. You, you had a dream, you want to think about it, okay, think about what were you doing that day, what were the things that happened that day, maybe the day before sometimes, and what you did during the day, what you're thinking about during the day. I don't know, you're, you're studying for a test all day intensely, you're going to have a dream about that, okay? So, um, things, that the thing which engages greatly and earnestly man's attention when he is awake and in the full position of his senses, that's going to be the object of his imaginative faculty in his, in his, in his sleep. Imagination is then only influenced by the intellect insofar as it is predisposed for such influence. It would be quite useless to illustrate this by a simile. Okay. Uh, he says, but basically the way he understands it like this, that, that if a person is so, he, he, his chachma is so great that he is preoccupied all day with, with, uh, with the intellect, with ideas, like he was saying in the Yad, okay, then essentially that overflows into his imagination. And then, and then his imagination becomes influenced by his intellect. Just give you one example. Hold on, Orin. He says, um, he gives a little bit of a marshal in the next chapter. Uh, he says, there are some beings so perfect that they can govern other, other beings. But there are also beings that are only perfect insofar as they can govern themselves and cannot influence other beings. Okay, so sometimes you have a person he, he has a certain perfection, he governs his own life. But you have others who reach a greater perfection and they can have influence on, on, on other individuals. In some cases, the influence of the intellect reaches only the logical and not the imaginative faculty. Now, Derech Marshall, he says, within, within a person, there are faculties. So you can have a person whose intellect is very good, but it only, it only influences the, um, the that faculty of logic, okay, but it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't influence, so to speak, the imagination, either on account of the insufficiency of that influence or on the account of a defect. Okay, if, however, the imaginative faculty is naturally um, in the most perfect condition, this influence may, as has been explained by us and by other philosophers, reach both his logical and his imaginative faculties. This is the case with prophets. So again, not to really say how, uh, I can't really, we can't really just go into exactly what he means over here, but the basic gist of what, he, of, of what he's trying to describe is basically we have, we have a certain, we have a certain way of thinking that's logical, that's intellectual, but there's a limitation to, 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 to logic. There's a limitation to that type of thing. Uh, on the other hand, because it's it's bound by certain uh, steps that have to follow one after the other. 
imagination is free, right? It's free, but therefore can come up with ridiculous ideas. Come up with things that are crazy. The Ram has some kind of a notion over here that if a person's intellect is so perfected and his imagination is, is also very perfected, and he only is devoted, he has no uh, draw of the Akaiva, he's able to subdue all of the things that may draw on his imagination and corrupt it towards other means, other, other goals. So he has a perfectly, he has a perfect imaginative faculty that's not being diverted by other things. And it's only influences the intellect itself. And the intellect is only preoccupied with the highest ideas. Because in that type of a person, the intellect is so great that it's not just influencing itself, but it can somehow have an influence on the imagination. And therefore the imagination will function in a, will, will function as a, um, as a surrogate of the intellect. And therefore he'll be able to engage and he'll, he'll be, he'll have that now, he'll, now he'll be predisposed to use the imagination in the in the uh, in, in the in the methodology of the work in, in, the, in the way of the work because because again again the navi is going to get some kind of a mara some kind of a vision okay that he'll have to interpret with his intellect so it's going to be through some kind it's going to be some kind of combination yeah yeah in thirty in thirty six. The Ramam says like this, says part of the function of the imaginative faculty, okay, is to retain impression senses, to combine them and form images. The principal and highest function is performed when the senses are at rest, right? So your imagination is not, you know, your, uh, your senses take in, imagination is going to record it, it's going to get recorded in your memory, and then when you close your eyes, you're not getting any new sense perceptions and you're resting in your bed, then your imagination can work, right? It's not being overwhelmed by new sense impressions. Um, or it receives to some extent, he says, the principal and highest function is performed when the senses are at rest and pause in their action, or then it receives to some extent divine inspiration in the measure as it is predisposed to this influence. Okay, so now you don't have the influence of the, of the senses, it's possible to have the influence of the divine inspiration. Now here, Oren, uh, very interesting Rambam, and um, we'll have to think about it deeply, but he says, this is the nature of those dreams which prove true. And also of prophecy, the difference being one of quantity and not quality. So Rambam did, did have an idea of uh, he says, thus our sages say, the dream is the 60th part of prophecy. And no comparison could be made between two things of different kinds. For we cannot say that the perfection of man is so many times the perfection of a horse. I can't say a horse has 1 60th of perfection of man. There's no comparison. Right? Uh, he says, in Bracious Rabba, the following saying of our sages occurs. Dream is the nobelet, the unripe fruit of prophecy. This is an excellent comparison, but the unripe fruit is really the fruit to some extent, only that's fallen from the tree before it was fully developed and ripe. 
In a similar manner, the action of the imaginative faculty during sleep is the same as at the time when it receives a prophecy. It's the same imaginative faculty. Only in the first case, meaning at sleep, it is not fully developed and has not yet reached its highest degree. Okay. Interesting. This is 36. Two. Two thirty-six. So the Rambam has an idea. He has an interesting idea. He says there are certain people who have a very highly developed imagination, imaginative faculty, but not the intellectual faculty. And he says these are politicians. <laughs> he says he says those are statesmen. In other words. There are people who have a very developed sense of intuition, but not necessarily logic. And they can they can sense which way things are going and they can make these predictions. But if you ask them exactly to analyze it, they wouldn't necessarily be able to do it. So, you know, there is some kind of a truth value in the that that that's possible to be attained in the imagination as well. And he's saying the Navi has has both. He has a very highly developed intuitive sense and imagination and a highly developed intellect. And the intellect is the major force of influence on the on the imagination. But in a dream, it's possible around seems to, to think that a person could could have a dream, the uh, and maybe some kind of clarity that he's able to get through the imaginative faculty and a, and a truer perception than if you were thinking about it with his, with his mind. Uh, sometimes, sometimes I have a problem. I think I go, go to sleep. I wake up with the answer. Not nothing, but it happens. Yeah, no, it's true. Sometimes in the middle, sometimes a person, it's, it's like the experience a person has when they simply are just, uh, they call it in Yiddish an einfall. You know what I mean? It's just, it fell in your head. You can't explain it. You can't explain how you got this idea. It's just an epiphany, right? There's no logical sequence to that type of a thing. It's just your, 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 your it stems from the imagination. And then I'm saying the imagination is going to work best when it is totally influenced by the intellect and the sensations have, have rested. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So what does it mean to perfect your imagination? That's a good question. That's a good question. And he seems to say it's a natural thing. You either got it or you don't. I don't know if you can work on it. I'm not sure. I have to look, I have to look at it more carefully. Okay. 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 